listening to the podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law. I'm Aditya Trivedi, founder and head of the competition law team of the podcast and your host. Hi everyone, I'm Digang Patel, the co-head for the competition law, uh, competition team for the podcast and your co-host for this particular episode. In this podcast, because competition law of Let's welcome our esteemed guest for today's episode, Dr. Christophe Karugati, Affiliate Fellow at Bruegel on Digital and Competition Law Issues. The topic for today's discussion is Digital Markets Act and Competition Law Issues. Introducing Dr. Christophe to all of you, as I said, he is an Affiliate Fellow at Bruegel on Digital and Competition Issues and he holds a Doctor in Law and Economics on Big Data and Competition Law from Paris University a master in law economics from the european master's emle university of bologna hamburg and vienna from ex marcel university and a double bachelor in law in economics from two next his academic research focuses on the adoption of competition law and economy and the regulation of platforms mr christoph also teaches competition law seminar at lelli university before joining Bruegel, he was a senior policy analyst at the U.S. Technology Think Tank, the Center for Data Innovation, where he worked on digital issues. He also happens to have some experience in practicing competition law in the context of internships in various law firms in Paris. Thank you so much, sir, for joining with us. Let's start. Uh, thank you very much. So firstly, asking to you. The most welcome to the podcast. Let's starting the conversation. We would like to ask about digital markets act, especially when it was enacted to target the bigger sharks in the market. Was it successful in creating a higher in the European digital market? What's your viewpoint? So thank you very much for the invitation. So you, you know the DMA has been adopted in July 2021. So it's done. There's nothing to do anymore. And uh, except enforcement, of course. And the objective will be to ensure contestability and fair market in the digital sectors, uh, especially regarding some um, platform, um, the, larger, the largest one. I think there's a little things. No, and uh, so it will focus only on uh, two companies in a specific uh, segment called core platform services. So it will be uh, basically search engine advertising uh, operating system and uh, food providers, uh, among others. Uh, and uh, that's it. So this is the main objective. It will be to ensure more basically competition. Uh, in this fair to exempt world. So it means that as this company will not need to have uh, antitrust investigation, they will have to comply uh, before the fact uh, which the rule that the DMA will, uh, will mandate. Okay, thanks for an insightful view on this. Like We really hope the DMA brings in something new to the table. The digital markets, which is very focus. 
So with respect to the digital markets, the concept of gatekeepers has been a hot topic. DMA tradition of gatekeepers should be shared shed some light on this. So the identification of gatekeeper would be the most challenging issue at the beginning of the DMA because as you know the first step would be to design to define the gatekeepers and it will be based on three com- presumption on three cumulative criteria. The first one would be on the turnover, the second one on market cap, the second one would be on the core platform services, and the third one would be on the number of users um, and business users. Okay, and um, the question would be which core platform services fall within the scope of the DMA? So let's take an example with Google. So you may think that Google uh, has a core platform services uh, in search engine. Okay, that may be fine, but you may not have the core platform services, for example, the cloud uh, computing services. So uh, the company may not challenge the fact that uh, is dominant in one core platform services, such as but may challenge the fact that he he has not the core platform services in another segment. Like that, you can stop the DMA for, for a long time before the courts would say, oh, you are also a core platform service in this segment. Thank you, sir. And thank you for the illustration and also explaining about the gatekeepers and its inclusion in DMA, how the viewpoint of DMA deals with gatekeepers. The commission, the next question would be that the commission has not released yet the list of companies that will be identified as gatekeepers. However, it covers eight different sectors, also known as the core platform services, CPS, uh, as identified gatekeepers. And what is your view on the new obligations for the identified gatekeepers and the certain sectors that are mentioned? It's it's really depends. So the um, DMA is really inflexible in a way that it's a, li- it's a list of um, really targeted obligation, and um, the commission will be able to adapt them through a delegate act. But in the meantime, time, um, if you uh, say you have to do this. Um, it doesn't explain how to do this, okay? And it means that a gatekeeper will comply with the rule as it is written, but the way it comply may not be uh, the way uh, the commission expects that the gatekeeper will comply. So at the end of the day, you have a rule on the book, but in practice, the compliance may be different from, uh, from what the commission expects. Let's take the example which um, Google Play Store. So we know we have an issue in Europe, but also uh, around the world about uh, commission fees. So you know that um, Apple Store charge a commission fees of 30% to developers, 50 to 50 to 30% to developers, and some developer consider that this fee is abusive. Um, and so this is why we have the DMA to ensure that third uh, party uh, that uh, um, Apple Store allow alternative payment um, and to bypass 
the commission fees. But what's happened is that uh, Google uh, said uh, last week or two weeks ago uh, that it will allow third uh, party uh, payment, so alternative billing, but they will have to pay a commission fees of 27%. Uh, so at the end of the day, Google will still have money here. And above, above that, um, third-party develop, uh, developer will have not only if they want to use alternative payment, they will have to uh, pay commission fees to Google, but also pay uh, cost for uh, payment processing. So they may pay more than which uh, the current situation of paying only to Google. And in that case, it may not be compliance with uh, the DMA, but the DMA only mandates that you have to allow third-party uh, alternative payments, but not uh, that you can uh, not impose commission fees. So, in practice, Google comply, but the effect on competition may not be uh, visible. Okay, thanks for and such we a have this issue yeah. with all, And we have this issue with basically a significant number of obligations in the DMA. So, like that was such an insightful answer, especially with respect to the concept of gatekeepers. Because, like, preferably, uh, priorly to uh, before the enactment of DMA, like which just happened on the fifth of July this year, the official ratification, the concept was very ambiguous as to what would be gatekeepers, what would be their functions, and also with respect to the gatekeepers which have already been latently formed without any regulations and the way they have been formulating policies for their own benefit. So having a code of rules for their performance is certainly an added bonus. Also with respect to the payment processing and payment methods, we're really, uh, we all are aware of the fact that all across the globe, the uh, antitrust issues which have uh, arose, because, uh, which have arisen because of the fact that Google Pay and Apple Pay maintain some sort of an exclusivity. So that was indeed action. So coming uh, uh, coming back to the next question, generally the law professionals in the European Union consider the combination of case-by-case -case obligations present in Article 6 A, H and I of the DNA. So uh, uh, would, the article, uh, would the articles would be a real game changer with respect to the access of data, would, if you could provide views on that? So the question of access to data would be an example of how the gatekeeper will comply mm -hmm. uh, because on Article uh, 6, uh, the Commission will be able to give, uh, to specify uh, the obligation to the gatekeepers. Um, so here I expect challenge and discussion between the gatekeepers and uh, the Commission on what data access mean exactly because uh, we'll have question of uh, which kind of data are we speaking about uh, the condition of access uh, the fees any i guess they will have fees um, and um, other uh, question related to privacy for example or security and uh, this is something that the dma as such don't love uh, because it want to be general but by being general uh, and imprecise at the end of the day, you create uh, room for challenge. 
thank you thank you so much sir for your answer with respect to the view of law professionals and also the article 6 ah and i of the dma the next would i would like to ask about the digital markets act and the ncas national competition authorities digital markets act states that the member states are prohibited from imposing and uh, imposing on gatekeepers further obligations by way of laws regulations or administrative actions for the purpose of ensuring contestable and fair market could you please explain the relationship of dma with national competition law enforcement in europe so in europe you have two things you have uh, some member states are able to enforce national competition laws and european competition laws here we are speaking only about national competition law no european competition law okay so we'll focus on the first one so the dma has two conditions if a member state want to enforce its national competition laws The first one is that you cannot enforce national competition law if you pursue the same objective of the DMA, namely contestability and fairness. And the second condition is that you cannot put future further obligation on gatekeepers. So let's take the example with Germany. So you know that Germany has a DMA-like competition law. Um, Law. It's called Section 90A, and this regulation has this competition law. I'm sorry, has basically the same flavor of the DMA. First, you have to design some companies, and then uh, the Bundeskartellamt, so the German Competition Authority, will be able to impose uh, obligation. Uh, I mean, interdiction here on uh, two companies, exactly like the DMA, except that the obligation are. Uh, more general, so it's a non-exhaustive list at the end of the day. And uh, what are the objectives of Section 90A? The first one is competitive and fairness. Uh, but uh, competition or competitiveness are strongly related to contestability. It's not the same things. They are related, but not the same things. And fairness, so the same concept, of course. So, if there is a challenge one day, and there will be a challenge, will be on Section 90A, and they will try to argue to the court through Section 90A, exactly the same uh, concept, um, the same objectives in the DMA. But imagine the court say no, and I guess they will say no because uh, Germany will push hard uh, for that. Uh, there will be the question of further obligation. What is mean exactly? I don't know what is mean. Uh, if uh, the Bundeskartan Murat impose um, a condition that is more tolerate to uh, a particular company, is it further obligation? I don't know. Um, so it will be interesting. Only the court can answer the question. I'm sorry for that. No, sir, you need not be sorry. That was an elaborative answer, and we obviously can understand the fact that having a central uh, piece of legislation for an entire union and having a separate legislation for the uh, regulation of co- uh, competition law for a country which is a member of that union itself is a 
it's a hefty task especially i really uh, appreciate the concern uh, appreciate you mentioning germany and the federal cartel office because in the past as well we have seen some very diverging views coming out from the federal cartel office and they have even uh, like prohibited the narrow price parity clauses whereas the other member states and even the european union Uh, under yeah, the European Commission. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's happened one time, it was which was a uh, mm-hmm. uh, booking hotel. Exactly, exactly. I, I, if you look at the number of cases, it was like less than one person when it's happened. So the risk mm-hmm. is uh, at the end of the day, it's present, but mm-hmm. it's limited. Right, perfect. That, uh, that's uh, like uh, the credit goes to having the central TFEU because that's basically the heart and soul for the entire competition or antitrust regulation in the entire world. So thanks for such an elaborative answer. So coming further, like uh, what do you think uh, would be the future main, ta- uh, what, would, what would you think that the future main targets would be of this new legislation, the DMA? Like and why could the particular targets would be there? So, do you have any uh, insights on uh, that? By targets you mean films? Yeah, exactly. Firms or companies who could be specifically targeted by the DMA. Uh, so we did uh, an estimation uh, at Bruegel. Uh, so based only on the two first criteria, namely the turnover or market cap and uh, the core platform services. So we estimate that basically 14 uh, companies would be under the scope of the DMA. It will be the famous GAFAM, Google, Facebook, Amazon and uh, Apple and Microsoft. Um, and uh, other American companies such as uh, SAP or Salesforce, uh, Uber, um, Zoom can be in the scoop, and uh, uh, Verizon could be also in the scoop. Um, I don't have the other one on the list, uh, but uh, 14 companies basically. Thank you so much, sir. But like uh, you working at Bridal and making such lists is obviously commendable, and having the list is indeed a beneficial step. It works both the sides for protecting the companies and also for the respect of making their policies in line with the what DMA has to make them comply with. So Aditya would come back to the next question. Yeah, right, Mrigang. Next question is with respect to the consumers. As we know that there's an inter- interesting interface of consumer law and competition law. Now, how does the Digital Markets Act, the DMA, deal with the personal data of consumers? What's the interplay of GDPR with the Act? So the interplay between GDPR and the DMA would be very interesting. Uh, because uh, you know that some provision of the DMA relate to uh, data and including personal data here. And we'll have um, some legal challenges about which regulation will prevail. Uh, is it the DMA or is it the GDPR? So there is one thing, for example, about Article 5 of the DMA, uh, which prohibits uh, the gatekeeper from, combine, from combining data from different services. Okay, uh, and they cannot do it even if they, they have the user consent. Whereas uh, GDPR allows it uh, if uh, the user consent uh, to data combination. And here there will be a legal challenge on whether the GDPR, which is a fundamental right, prevail of the DMA. 
and uh, I don't have the answer yet uh, because one can argue that the GDPR uh, protect fundamental rights, so user uh, have the right to say yes to data collection. Uh, whereas the DMA is more about uh, the objective of protecting the market, uh, but uh, it depends what the court would say. But the court may argue yes, but uh, the fundamental right of privacy uh, prevail over the, over the structure of the market. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, um, but it will be super interesting to follow this. Yes, indeed, especially with respect to both of the legislation having the basic intent to protect the consumers in the digital sphere. So it will indeed be interesting and especially to see how do these two legislations com complement each other in order to regulate the digital markets in the best possible way. So coming back last question which we have for this conversation. The most significant part of the DMA is that it seeks to regulate self-preferencing. So what is self-preferencing and how does the regulation affect that? Uh, so exactly, the DMA has some provision about self-preferencing, that is true. Um, and uh, so it means that uh, the platform will not be able to promote their own services of revival. Um, and uh, again, uh, it will be a matter of compliance, so how they will comply. Uh, and if you take the Google Shopping example, uh, so Google complied with the, uh, with the remedies imposed by the Commission, uh, which is to offer um, alternative, uh, which is to open uh, the Google Shopping box to uh, rivals. But some rivals say that is not compliance because they have to pay to be in the big box. Uh, and so it will all depend on uh, compliance here. And um, also not all self-preferencing are necessary, but some are good. So it will be a matter of interpretation for the commission to identify uh, at what moment uh, the self-preferencing is good or bad, uh, not to uh, harm consumer at the end of the day. Okay, that was uh, really insightful, especially with respect to preferencing, because uh, all across the globe, uh, especially with respect to digital markets, there are certain platforms which act as aggregators, as we mentioned the hotel booking earlier as well. So they have a very large scope of self-preferencing or having preferential treatments or imposing price parity clauses in order to promote their favorable partners or to promote themselves. So that is kind of interesting and uh, we'll see how that pans out in the DMA. That is, uh, that is to be seen by the interpretation of the courts, obviously. So once again, Dr. Christo, we'd be, uh, we'd be thanking you and we're extremely grateful to have you on this podcast and we'll publish it shortly. Like that's all from our side and we're really hopeful that the audience would like the particular discussion on the DMA because it's particularly the newer topic and especially the European Union being the lead in imposing such regulations to regulate the digital. 
Right, Prakash. Thank you so much, sir, for engaging with us on this very pertinent discussion on digital markets and allied competition or topics. We really hope to see you soon in our future podcasts as well on the related topics whenever you have time, and we'll publish this shortly and we'll update you. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for the invitation. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.